0: Good morning. Um, What an incredible honor and joy it is to be with you this morning. Um, What a beautiful morning of worship. I'll tell you a secret. When you volunteer to do this or when you're asked to do this, you get to contribute to the music, so you get to ask for requests. So that song, he is worthy of it all. Oh, I love that song. been listening to it for weeks. So uh, thank you, Josh, and the team. It's great to be together and to be with you this morning. I know many of you, um, but... If I haven't met you yet, my name is Debbie Vayer. Our family's been here at Castle Oaks for about, I think, 20 years now, which is kind of crazy, and I've been on staff for a good number of those years. Um, I'm going to show you a little picture by way of introducing myself, and if you haven't, haven't been able to share a family photo with you lately, here's one. It's actually from a couple of years ago. Our son Trevor and his wife Brenna were married in Philadelphia. It's one of my favorite photos. Um, Those are my people, Uh, y'all know Scott. Uh, Trevor, that I mentioned, is in the Navy, he's 30. He's in the Navy and they live in Virginia and that's his lovely wife Brenna there. Um, Charlotte, to the far right, is our oldest daughter. She's 21 and living in Phoenix. She goes to Grand Canyon University, graduates this year with her uh, teaching degree. She wants, wants to teach high school English. How about that? Yay. I'll just have to say, largely inspired by the lovely Miss Kelsey Filetra, so <laughs> who's also an awesome teacher. Um, Nora Jean is in the booth today. Our Nora is 17. She's a senior in high school, graduates this year, hoping to head off to Virginia near her big brother and sister-in-law. Um, and that's exciting. And then Josie, our youngest, is the second one in. She's 15. She's in high school, she's a sophomore on the POMS team and doing all the high school things. And uh, we are proud of each precious one and the ways that the Lord has um, called them and grown them into unique little people, wonderful people. So thank you, Lord, for each one of them. Josie's serving in the nursery this morning, actually. So yes, we're very proud of our little. So the next one is maybe even more exciting. That right there is my grandbaby. (laughs) We're very excited to welcome a new little one here pretty soon. Uh, Brenna's about 37 weeks now. So um, I am looking forward to going to Virginia to spend a little extra time with them in November. And then our whole family will be there for Thanksgiving. So super excited. Baby girl on the way. So yay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So by now, you've gathered. Phil is not here today. He and Donna are away tending to some family business. So I'll just say it out loud. Anyone who is up here besides Phil knows we don't fill Phil's shoes. There's no doing that. So that's okay, I'm aware of that. (laughs) But uh, if you hear anything from me today, I hope you'll hear of a faithful God who is kind and merciful and who desires our good. I hope you'll be encouraged. We, I want to take a second too, we have some friends out there online every week, and I usually host our online service, so I need to give a little wave to my friends out there. I don't usually get to see them face-to-face, so great to be with you all online this morning too. Thank you all for being here. So Phil has been teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, and we are today still in Matthew 7, uh, Matthew 7 through 11, and we'll be talking about prayer today. So let's start by praying, if you'll join me. Father God, you are worthy of it all. We praise you and thank you for this very day that you've gathered us. You've called each one of us here to hear from you today. And I I pray that your truth would sink deep into our hearts today. Lord, we each come with concerns and distractions Lord, the troubles of this world are heavy on our hearts right now. And so, Lord, we want to lift Israel to you, to the latest news, to the devastation. Lord, we know this breaks your heart, too. Lord, will you be near to each one? Will you provide peace? Lord, will you stand in the way of those who would choose to cause harm, Lord? Protect and keep your people, Lord. Lord. And so, Lord, I just want to give this morning to you. You are indeed worthy of it all. It's because of you that we're here. Lord, we love you. I thank you. I praise you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can cling to it and that your promises are true. So, Lord, be near to each one. Um, Speak your truth and your love and your grace over us today. We love you, Lord. Amen. So I suspect these verses will be familiar to you in Matthew 7, 7 to 11. The NIV starts with, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I like the language of the NLT. NLT. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And it goes on with you parents. If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, Do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? That's Matthew 7, 9 to 11, the last. So when Phil asked me to speak today and suggested this scripture, I had a few initial reactions and my first, honestly, was that these particular verses are frequently and maybe casually quoted. Ask, seek, knock, and it'll be yours. Jesus said so. And he did. But what happens when answers don't come? We'll get to that. The next thing I thought was, who am I to speak on prayer? I don't think of myself as the best prayer, if you will. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to pray. I do. But if things are really serious, I know a few people that I'm going to be asking to pray for me. And so I ask. I asked some of those people for this last couple weeks too. They've been praying. I bet you have a few people like that, that you would ask. And maybe we even have a few of the same. (laughs) My other thought was that prayer is a pretty complicated topic, So I'm trusting the Lord has something to say today. Maybe he'll bring some clarity or encouragement as we talk through it together. I hear an invitation in these verses, maybe even an instruction, to ask and to seek and to knock, to believe and to hope. When we ask, we verbalize, articulate, express a need, we submit them. Seeking seems a bit more active, We're pursuing God's will, looking for answers in his word through the counsel of other friends and believers, seeking the presence and guidance of the spirit. Knocking to me sort of suggests a certain persistence, if you will. Hey, I'm here. You heard me, right? Maybe a little more assertive. Knocking. uh, Each is followed with what we can expect in response then. Ask and you will receive what you ask for. It will be given to you. Seek and you will find. You will find an answer. Knock and the door will be opened. God is available on the other side of that door, which is what I imagine when I'm knocking, that there's a door that we have to somehow get to the other side of, right? And then Jesus in the rest of the text gives us a relatable comparison. Whether we're parents ourselves or not, we know what it means for a parent to care for a child. He says, even you who are sinful know how to give good gifts. You know how to care for and provide for your children. You know the joy that it brings you. How much more will I do for you? I who am without sin. I don't carry the stuff you carry. I don't struggle with the things you struggle. I don't carry, I help you carry your burdens, but your burdens are not mine. I don't carry them. I don't have stress. I am your heavenly father. Surely you can count on me for that. The Bible has a lot more to say about prayer. I actually Googled it. Have you ever Googled that? (laughs) The NIV references, says there are, well, there are 279 verses that speak of prayer in the NIV and over 500 mentions of the word in the King James Version. In other books and verses, we learn how we should or shouldn't pray, in private, in public, in community, when we gather out loud, in silence, in faith, in hope, in grief, in hardship, in joy, in thanksgiving, in praise, in sorrow, in celebration, according to God's will, in everything and without ceasing, continually. And I'm sure you've thought of a few others too. In his book on prayer, Tim Keller says, I have a few quotes from him that I have appreciated. To pray is to accept that we are and always will be wholly dependent on God for everything. And another, if we can't say, thy will be done, from the bottom of our hearts, we will never know any peace. We will feel compelled to try and control people and control our environment and make things the way we believe they ought to be. Does that ring familiar to any of you? (laughs) To fail to pray, then, is not to merely break some religious rule. It is a failure to treat God as God. I mentioned earlier my first reaction was how casually we can speak of prayer. God hears, God answers, A plus B equals C. But these verses take me somewhere else. What if we ask, and we ask, and we ask, and things don't get fixed? What about when we are seeking, we are knocking, and we're still waiting? We know that God doesn't always answer in the way we ask. But he even protects us from ourselves. And that is a good thing. Thank God for unanswered prayers, right? You've heard that. I can think of a few I'm glad he said no to, I bet you can too. (laughs) Have you ever prayed prayers that you're now glad God said no to? Yeah. He does know better, we know that. But when it really comes down to it, when we're in the middle of the stuff, can we trust him? If our kids continue to struggle, is he still there? If our illness isn't healed? When our family feels broken, doors don't open, finances don't get better, What then, where is God in that? How can a good God fill in the blank, right? We all have those questions. Are you listening God? You said to ask, to seek, and to knock. So now what? He says, he promises we can trust him. We believe his word, that he is faithful, he is worthy. So we wait, but dang, that can be hard. It's an incredible thing to look back on a really hard season and to see his provision, to see his goodness. And that can help us through the next one. Sometimes hope comes when we remember what we know God has done, when we can praise him for what we've seen him do in our own or in another's life. When we can praise him for what we know he is capable of, hope comes from letting God be God. He is worthy. What about when we're so sad and so scared, so burdened that we don't even know how to pray or what to ask for? Have you ever felt that way? I love the promise of Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. What if God's answer is something like a question? Bigger than our particular need. What if he's asking, will you trust me? Even if? Or even if not? As I said when we began, this is a big topic. One about which tons of books have been written. Many sermons, lectures, podcasts, and stories have been shared. So many ideas, thoughts, theological positions, and questions. So we're just gonna scratch the surface today, looking at a few ideas and asking some of our own questions. In the end, the only place I can land is hope. Hope in between. Hope is the, hope in the waiting. If we believe God is indeed powerful over all things, and he sees and he knows us, scripture says every hair on our head, and he desires our good. If we believe God is who he says he is, and there is good reason for hope. A few verses on hope that have spoken to me this last few weeks Romans 15, 13. <clears throat> may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Hebrews 6, 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm, and secure. In this invitation to ask, to seek, and to knock, I also hear an invitation to relationship. Jesus tells us how to interact, interact with him. He, is just, he assures us that he hears us and that he wants good for us, for his kingdom, for our world. So he tells us to Pray. So if prayer is about relationship, how do we nurture and build that relationship? Well, several years ago, I realized I was lacking close friendships. And I knew I wanted to change that. I knew a lot of people, but I realized I was missing good, solid, intimate friendships. So I made it a priority. I pursued relationship. I made space. I invested myself in others. I made time. I did things to purposefully grow my friendships. I gave of myself and I received. And guess what? I made some good friends. Sometimes it just takes giving of yourself and making that a priority, deciding. So it took me committing myself to it, making time and space in my life, and being willing to receive, to listen, and to tend to another. God does the work of knitting our hearts together, but I had to invest myself. That can be risky and messy, and also endlessly encouraging and fulfilling. So I feel like the same might be true of prayer. If we want to know Jesus, to be closer to him, if we want to hear from him, to understand his answers, it takes some effort on our part too. This is different than our commitment to Jesus as our savior. It's a commitment to time with him. We can be deliberate to devote ourselves, our energy, and just some of our time to him, and we must listen. We must be willing to receive. And we probably need to let ourselves be vulnerable and honest too. Relationship also happens when we pray for one another. I was talking with a friend the other other day about this idea. And actually it was Scott. He's my husband, but he's also my good friend. (laughs) And he described when someone asks him to pray for them, um, how there can be this deeper connection, uh, compassion and an intimacy that comes when we pray for one another. We lift our friends to our Father in heaven, the one who sees and hears and knows our deepest joys and heartaches, and those we carry for our friends, for our community and for our world. We wait for answers, for provision, and we hope together. Praying for each other builds our relationship with God, too, as well as with those we're praying for. Whether for friends near or far, a friend of a friend, for someone in our church family, we invest ourselves in another's well-being. We are present and aware of their hardship and suffering, their needs and their hopes. We are participating and engaging and hoping together. So how can we prioritize prayer? I know many of you are great about your scheduled study and devotional time, and likely that involves prayer as well. But not all of us have these routines. Some of us have to work at it, right? Whether we find a certain time of day or a period of time, maybe it's five minutes or 15 or more, um, what might a routine look like for you? What might a commitment to pray look like for you? I'll just say I do plenty of car praying I drive a lot, so I pray a lot in the car. I bet there's some of you that relate to that. (laughs) Do a lot of car worshiping too, right? There's a couple of other methods that have helped me to set aside time that help me to focus. Um, If I'm honest, I often struggle to quiet my mind and heart. Too much going on, right? So many things. But really, I don't think Jesus buys it. That's what I tell myself. He's not buying it. (laughs) So I have a spot. It's a comfy one where I can relax. Not too comfy. No sleeping allowed. And that can happen (laughs) when I sit down. (laughs) But a place to relax. I have a place where I can breathe. And music helps me. I'm kind of a sucker for old hymns, so I actually have a Spotify playlist of instrumental hymn music. And that, I turn that on and I sit and I listen and it calms my heart and my mind and my soul and gets me ready to pray, to talk and to hear from the Lord. This is a method I learned from Ruth Haley Barton. You may have heard of her. She has many wonderful books. A couple of my favorites are An Invitation to Solitude and Silence and the other is Spiritual Rhythms. Uh, they've helped me learn to slow down and to pray and to listen. She recommends even when we first start trying silence to set a timer. Just try sitting for five minutes at first, then maybe 10. It can be hard just to sit still, to quiet our minds. They wander. And then just pray. We've talked about asking and seeking and knocking just be present. There are so, so many things competing for our time and attention. It can feel impossible to take a minute for ourselves. The kids, the dog, school, dinner, work, sports, the grass, house repairs, dishes, laundry, responsibilities, all the things. But really, how about a few minutes for Jesus? Jesus. <laughs> I promise you it will always be worth it. I was thinking about this for our couples. Take turns if you need to. You don't feel like you can have a minute? Here's an idea. Joe, I'm going upstairs. You've got this. I'll be back in 15, right? You'll be fine. (laughs) And they will be, right? Sometimes this is hard to just say it, right? Some of you are retired. You might feel like you're busier than ever, Some might say you have plenty of time on your hands. Either way, it sometimes takes just being deliberate. Phil has taught on prayer a few times lately, uh, specifically on the Lord's Prayer and on the examine prayer. I bet a lot of you have those little bookmarks. It's a great way to end or begin your day or any time in between, really. Both are wonderful options. There are so many other ways for this to happen, so many ideas and methods that might be meaningful for you. Just try it, sit, stop, (laughs) rest, and pray. I've heard too recently of a couple of apps. And I know some of you know this first one because one of you told me about it. Actually, probably a bunch of you have told me about it. Lectio 365, it's a really cool phone app that has both a morning and evening prayer that it will lead you through, It can be topical. And then this other one, um, the inner room I just discovered recently, it's kind of like a prayer tracker. You can put your own topics in. You can put people in that you're praying for. You can mark off your answered prayers and kind of document some things. So for you who are kind of organized, it's a really great little organizer for your prayers, yeah. (laughs) But it's also one of those things we mentioned earlier you look and go, hey, look at, look at these things. Look at what God has done. So it can be a really handy tool. And some of you may think a phone app is ridiculous and there is no reason I need a phone app to keep track of my prayers or to help me to pray. Some of you might need those little reminders and, and it can be super handy. So as you wish. They're both available on the App Store. So you can explore them on your own and see what you think. Let me know. <laughs> So as may be true of some of you, uh, there's a particular circumstance in my life that I've been praying for. I'm praying for it now and I've been praying about it for a very long time. I worry and I wonder because I have no idea how it will play out. At some point I realized that all I could do was hope. That it was my job, my place, my opportunity to hold hope. While I can't be specific, I hope you'll hear my heart. Many of you know Aaron Boyd. He led worship for us a few weeks ago. He serves with World Orphans, helps them with some fundraising. He's also connected with the Wellspring Stars, and a few years back they sang his song together Jericho. And I think he sang it at Worship in the Park this week too. Well, I know he did. And at some of our home events. It's a powerful song of hope in the darkness. Trusting God through the questions that don't always have answers. Aaron's daughter, again, many of you probably heard this story, has cystic fibrosis. And early on, her prognosis was not good, right? It's a difficult and frightening disease. So through a series of ups and downs and devastation, Aaron and a friend wrote this song. And these words are the chorus. To all our questions, there will be an answer. In all our trials, you remain. Even in the valley, hope is rising. For peace, it has a name. Christ the Lord, who stays the same. Just like the walls came down at Jericho, just like the armies fled when worship rose, we believe in breakthrough. We believe in you. Just like your voice, it calmed the raging sea. Just like the veil was torn at Calvary. We believe in breakthrough. We believe in you. So this song has spoken to my heart um, as I've shared Aaron's story, or as I've heard Aaron's story. And through this song, I've related to the hope of breakthrough. Aaron describes how this hope, this believing can keep us marching, keep us praising, keep us going, even and especially when we're overwhelmed. When we are waiting, when the answers just don't come. This song has helped me to cling to hope, to trust God with the outcome, even if. I have sung it many times with my arms raised and tears streaming down my face, surrendering, believing in breakthrough one day. It's a part of my story that only the Lord can heal and restore to change and redeem. It's hard, and yet I hope. Recently, when Aaron was here, I found myself singing the song. I probably hear it more than some of you because of, well, I'm married to Scott. (laughs) Been to a few home events since then, but I love it. But it hit me, singing this song, that I wasn't standing there with tears streaming down my face. God is bringing breakthrough. Not completely, not fully, but he's moving. I not only know it, I see it. The wall hasn't fallen, but it's starting to. In a sudden way, in that moment, I realized that things have shifted. That I've seen these small steps along the way, and I've even thanked God for them. But it struck me standing there, worshiping, singing the song that God has indeed broken through. The outcome is always his, and so much is still unknown. But I'm seeing his movement, his goodness and his mercy, and that is breakthrough enough for me to cling to, trusting he has more in store, because he and only he is able. So I realized I've been asking and hoping and trusting, but was I watching for his answer? Was I listening? Sometimes we can miss the small answers when we're so focused on looking for the big ones. Maybe the answer is an immediate healing, but maybe a relationship grows as you learn to navigate hardship together. Maybe an exact answer doesn't come but we begin to see the small gifts along the way when we are watching and seeking. Likewise in Aaron's daughter's life, Lily, his daughter, hasn't been fully healed, not yet. And there is much unknown, but she's on a medication that has changed her circumstances dramatically A new medication she's been given. There is hope. Maybe you're praying for a breakthrough too. Maybe it's for a huge thing, a relationship, an answer, a turn of events. Maybe you're hoping for powerful transformation in yours or in another's life. Will you trust God with it, no matter what? He is who he says he is, and he isn't changed by our circumstances. God hasn't lost power and authority because things are hard. He is worthy. He is present in the in-between. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3 says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, the flames will not, you will not be burned, sorry. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So keep on asking. Keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on hoping. You will find him. We believe in a God who is worthy to cling to. The same God who sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus says, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I believe these words are true and I believe our God is trustworthy. I believe he sees you right here, right now. I believe he's ready for you. You're not too much, you are just enough. You are all you need to be. He will meet you where you are. Whether you've known Jesus for a very long time or whether you're just meeting him today, he is ready to listen and to hear from you and to speak even though he knows, he invites you to ask, to seek, and to knock, to believe, and to hope. What an incredible gift we have in prayer. And I just want to end today with this quote from C.S. Lewis. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. May it be so, Lord.